You are listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast, a podcast that encourages leaders pursuing the Great Commission. Welcome to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Withers. I wanted to thank you for listening. Great Commission Leadership is a podcast that brings on amazing ministry leaders every week and highlights how they are fulfilling the Great Commission and their unique context. This week's episode features Aaron Blanton. He's the executive leader of communications at Fellowship Bible Church in Brentwood and Franklin and all around the Nashville area, really just those two places. But Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely, Graham. Good to be here, man. Well, Aaron has been uh, become a really good friend of myself and our church over the last a little bit over a year now. Uh, he's essentially uh, been a interim worship leader at our church at Centerpoint um, since uh, I guess last May or June. Um, and he's also we just also got done doing a season where he was leading us through some consulting uh, exercises and some initiatives that he's helped us focus on as a church. So I'm excited to introduce him to you today. Aaron, why don't you just get us started by sharing a little bit about your journey um, in ministry and how you've gotten into the ministry you're in today? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, that's a great way to start. Um, ministry for me has been a, a lifelong thing. I mean, it's not something that I can remember ever not being in. But uh, when it comes to being on a church staff, uh, that, that journey began when, uh, and you're going to relate to this uh, really close to home, is when uh, my wife and I found out that we were going to have our first child. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I was touring uh, in, in, in a band, and I was on the road a lot. And I knew in that moment that, you know, uh, trying to raise my child long distance like that was just not going to work. Yeah. And uh, so I began that search for what, what that next chapter could look like. I honestly thought I would stay in the music industry. I loved it. I, I, I had grown up in Nashville. It was part of me um, uh, to the deepest part of me. Music has always been, and, and I hope it always is a part of who I am. Uh, but uh, the story uh, changed, changed pretty quickly as I saw the music industry just around that 2006, 2007 timeframe. Uh, when you know the, the economy was tanking and music was really susceptible to a lot of change and a lot of disruption, mm-hmm. um, very different than the disruption recently. But um, so we, uh, I started praying. My wife and I started praying, and we just started asking God, like, what what's next for us? And a friend of mine said, Aaron, <clears throat> have you ever have you ever thought about you know working at a church? And and I because I'd grown up in church. I knew a lot about church. Uh, my parents uh, very involved as like teachers and my, both my parents are great Bible teachers and uh, it's just a huge part of my family. And, but I'd never really considered making it my vocation mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and so I said, you know, I don't know. Uh, at first I kind of think I was more like, Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> I would never do that. Right. Uh, I'm going to figure it out in the music business or whatever. But so um you know, long story short, uh, after a lot of praying and a lot of seeking God and, and counsel, you know, and, and letting other leadership voices in my own life uh, kind of weigh in, uh, we began that search <clears throat> for what would be next. And, and I ended up in Southern California uh, with a six-week-old baby girl. Um, and uh, I was a worship pastor, and I'd never been on staff at a church. I'd never been a worship pastor. I was barely a worship leader. Mm. Uh, but somehow I talked my way into a, a pretty sweet, <laughs> pretty sweet job. Uh, and so, you know, 
ever since then, uh, I've been, uh, that was 2007 when I accepted that job out in Southern California. And my goodness, the leadership uh, lessons that I learned having zero training in this. And, and it's not like I went to a seminary and school and all that. I, mm-hmm. I, I really was having to figure it out on the job. Uh, but ministry for me um, is all, even on the road, you know, we're in churches, we're, we're with people, we're helping them, you know, celebrate a building opening or we're providing music for a concert, you know, that they're, they're having for a celebration service or something, you know, so mm-hmm. ministry has uh, always been a part of my life, but certainly vocationally in this way. So like connected to the local church. Um, that was a, a huge step for me to, to not go from town to town and church to church, but to go to one church yeah. and figure out how I was going to help build that body and help um, create a legacy and a history in that, that church for the time I was there mm-hmm. uh, was certainly, you know, I was welcome. I, I welcomed that step in that chapter. Yeah, that's good. So talk about getting back to fellowship and kind of what drew you all back to the Nashville area, but also what, what attracted you about the church you're at right now too? Yeah. So I stayed in Southern California. We actually had two more kids out there and, um, I hit about that seven year mark and, uh, I don't know what, maybe the seven year itch is a real thing or not. I don't know if it's just me, but, um, it, it kind of had like, there was a, there was a, a real sense, a knowing that that season was coming to an end and one way or the other, I needed to either plant some roots in Southern California and buy a house, which was an absolute dream. I mean, you would never, I mean, right. how do you buy a house? Is it okay? So I knew that was a dream <clears throat> um, or come back home where I grew up to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, I had family close to here and, but the only issue was there was not a job necessarily. I'd be going back to nothing. So again, my wife and I, we prayed, we sought counsel. We said, what, what could the next, next chapter be? Um, and uh, I got a call from a friend of mine who uh, runs a, like a staffing, church staffing company. Hmm. They're an amazing organization called Slingshot. And uh, he, he knew, because I had talked to him a few times about, you know, what would I do? I've got this experience. I don't really know. Do I stay? Do I go? It's those kind of questions. And I'm so thankful to have people like that in my life. And he, he just basically said, I have an opportunity uh, and it's back in Nashville, but I'm not going to tell you anything about it. I want you to take the weekend and pray about it. Hmm. And I was like, okay. So, you know, basically, you know, my wife and I felt like we were just holding our breath all weekend, but we, we diligently did. We prayed and fasted that weekend. And, and uh, so Monday morning, I'm like, you know, 8 a.m. I'm calling him. I'm like, what's the deal? You know, he goes, it's, there's an amazing church in, middle Tennessee in the Brentwood area called fellowship Bible church, that name and that the name of this church, um, I immediately knew because it's where my parents had gone for many years before they moved. Hmm. My dad had always said to me, son, if I could ever work in a church, I'd want to work at fellowship Bible church. Wow. in Brentwood." Um, so I was like, Oh wow, this is, this is pretty interesting. We flew out, we did the interview. I loved everything about it. And to speak to the second part of your question, what drew drew me here, back here to Nashville area, uh, was a, uh, a, an unbelievable ability that, this, that the, teach, the Bible teachers at Fellowship have to help me understand God's word in a way that I, I've just never had that on a consistent level. Uh, no shade on anybody that's been a Bible teacher in my life. It's just a different season as I grew in my faith. 
uh, fellowship has met me at every moment. Uh, the other thing was um, there was a, at the time, it was a basically a, a spiritual development, spiritual leadership development cohort that has since become a full-on a part of, of the whole church. But at the time, it was kind of as you were uh, welcomed on the staff, you spent about six or nine, I think it was actually nine months in this curriculum to really uh, go below the waterline, below mm-hmm. the surface, way into the, the, the deepest part of your heart. And God used that time um, in my life in ways I could, we don't even have enough time to describe it. Hmm. Uh, but I could feel that God um, was changing me wow. from the inside out. Um, and I, I would say that without fellowship, uh, that, that wouldn't have been a possibility. God, God used fellowship to move me in a way that I would have never moved yeah. uh, physically and also spiritually. So I was drawn into the care for the staff team. I was drawn into the caliber of ministry. I was drawn into the, um, the style. I, I'll have to say that because there, there's a, the characteristic of every every church is going to have a, a, a it's going to have a style of its own, and I mean that in ministry style. I mean that in music. I mean that in the way it looks and sounds and smells. Um, and fellowship just felt right for our families, yeah. so it didn't it didn't take long for us to go. That's that's our place. Yeah, that's our place. Well, that's awesome. I, knowing getting to know you over the last year, I've just loved your heart for the church, which is evident not only for the church that you are you get paid to work at and, uh, and work for, but also us as well. I mean, you just been able to connect with our band and so many of our staff and we've just appreciated your heart for that. And, uh, excited. Thank you, you, Graham. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to dig in a little bit more. So like today, when I think about what you do, what we're going to talk a little about today, just in terms of communications on the one hand, it, it seems to be one of those things that's extremely practical, um, but I, I would do, I, I do want to begin by framing it kind of in a more of a, a big picture, uh, biblical great commission context, because the way we communicate is important. And I've learned a lot from you, even in just over the last few months, not just with our consulting, but just with some other side conversations about how we navigate a time like coronavirus, or you could even plug that into how we navigate a time like dealing with the racial tensions in our country. Uh, how we talk and how we communicate is important, and it really reflects um, who God is and how we represent Him. So I just love to hear, just to get us started, kind of thinking through from that biblical or Great Commission perspective, why is communication important, and especially like why is it important that churches communicate and steward their communication well? Man, Graham, that is such a great question. It's obviously close to my heart because I lead communications right. uh, on on a holistic level here, uh, and in obviously when I help other organizations, you know, do the same thing, other churches and ministry organizations. Um, you know, if you think about it, church has a it should have, a, and and I think for most people they would say this: church has a a specific and a special place in our life. Okay. That's why we, that's why we give our time. That's why we give our uh, finances. That's why we volunteer. That's why we show up to the worship services on Sunday. That's why we're connected to groups. You know, that's why we participate in the worshiping body, the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to have a a special place. And I think for for most people, it really does. 
Um, and because it has a special place in our lives, that means people are paying attention when we talk, mm. when we speak, when we do, people take notice. Um, and that there's a different level of responsibility when you think of it in those terms mm. to say, okay, I, I, it's not that it's not that people are watching us all the time, although that's true. They're connected to us on a very deep level. There's a spiritual connection happening as we grow together and serve together and worship together and all the together words. And so that, that level of responsibility, the stake, that means the stakes are really, really high. Mm. And so if we're going to serve the people that call you know, fellowship, their home church, and those that want to or may end up calling fellowship to home church, I, I, I take the responsibility to say, I have to be clear. Mm. I have to be clear above all. If I'm not clear and I'm confusing, how will people respond? How will they know what next step to take if they've just received Christ or if they if they really want to get involved in a study or if they want to, uh, you know, sign up for a service project or, or any of the, the huge list that every church is going to have because we're active in our communities um that that becomes impossible for somebody to respond if i'm unclear and the beautiful thing about it is that it's it's all based on words we build all this stuff around words and when we and i'm amazed constantly what happens when we put the right words in the right order Mm. amazing things happen and from a great commission perspective, our, we're designed as the church and, uh, to, to be disciple-making churches, organizations. Uh, and if we, if we forget that and communicate something different than our desire to help someone become a disciple, mm. be a disciple, we've missed, we've missed it completely. Yeah. And so communications from a great commission perspective, it is, it is of the utmost importance, if not, you know, critical, if not, maybe not even the top yeah. for, for what we do as churches. Yeah. And I think too, like it really, in some ways it reflects like what you are already valuing as well. Um, but what I think clear communication can, can really bolster is like making what is in your heart. So like with us, like our, our church, and you know this, um, but for those who don't, like our, one of the hallmarks of our church at Centerpoint is just this desire to see people's uh, lives change through the gospel. And one of the ways we do that is, of course, through evangelism, but also through discipleship and disciple making. And that's one of the things that, like I was asked this past week in an email by somebody who was just checking us out, like what's one of the things that, that you know, like you, you, you would be not be able to know about your church without being there. Like discipleship is one of those things, but it got me thinking, I was like, that should be one of those things. That's like even more prominent, even from like a web web presence or a social media presence, not for the elements of those things just by themselves, but so that people can see what, what you value as an organization. And, and of course those things should come from, a, a, they should be tied to God's word and from a biblical perspective that churches shouldn't just be about the show. They should be like what you talked about, disciple making. 
Um, and I love even hearing your story about like coming to hear, uh, hear God's word taught in a way that, that was new and refreshing and life giving to you. Um, like those things should be what drives our communication. And so I think that's, that's a good kind of way to think about that for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say maybe even part B and, you know, maybe this is two parts, but like there's, there's also the, the idea that we, we as organizations and, and churches, I would say specifically, we have to be trust building mm-hmm. always, you know, yeah. with, with our, we have to, we have to build trust with a community of people. It's really, really, really important. Yeah. Uh, and if we, if we miss the opportunity to build trust or let that erode, uh, I think we, we've really injured our ability to speak with authority into the life of those, those people that were supposed to be leading mm-hmm. and guiding somewhere. Right. Uh, part B to that is in, in communications, we're always trying to motivate and move and compel people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't we can't ever for one moment think that we're just trying to pass information information doesn't move people compelling storyline compelling problem solving agitating a pain point in somebody's life now that motivates a person and that moves them and if we have clear processes as a as a church that a person can move through a discipleship process and then help someone else do that suddenly we start to see oh my gosh all this stuff working together is unbelievably powerful and it's incredibly unique to that church mm-hmm. because we're all going to have the certain unique qualities because of our context and our resources and the people that are around us and the community we're in how many campuses we have how old you know all those things matter and they created this really unique situation that a church can actually move people in a process of discipleship. Right. So I love, I love how we were framing this idea of communication, both in a great commission, biblical disciple making framework. So let's think about some of the practical steps to this. Like I have zero clue what I, what I was doing with this. And that's one of the things that I wanted to have you on here because you helped me kind of see just a, a really helpful like strategy and way to think about communication so that we can steward that trust, not for necessarily the good of the church, but the good of the gospel and the good of God's kingdom advancing and, and growing. So maybe just walk us through, if there's, if there's a, a guy or girl out there thinking through this, maybe they're a, a pastor at a church who doesn't have anyone on their staff uh, that can do this right now, but they want to train a volunteer. They just want to, they themselves want to grow in this area to know how to better communicate to their church and to their community. How, how would you recommend a church get started with just a, a really basic uh, communication strategy, but one that's also very effective? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, you know, that's a, that is an am- amazingly uh, large conversation that you we could spend i mean hours and hours and hours but i think it comes down to yeah and we won't (laughs) (laughs) i promise but the i think one thing that any church can do volunteers or not paid staff or not is ask the right questions 
I, 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 I try to help churches and organizations do that as much as I can. And in, in fact, even in fellowship where I work, I'm ask, I'm helping ministries ask the right questions and to go. And the, and the one thing I like to, to start about is start with is like, what problem are we uniquely built to solve in our community? That's, that is a great first question as a whole church or as a men's ministry, right? Mm-hmm. Or, 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 or kids ministries. Like what, what problem in our community are we uniquely built to solve? Because First Baptist down the road and so-and-so Covenant Church up the street, they're not built like we are. They have the same calling as a church for discipleship, but, but, the, but the way we get there is different from church to church. Yeah. And so there's so many variables in that we have to we have to focus and ask the question: What are we built to do? Mm-hmm. Um, not not just what we're passionate about either. Okay, because mm. if I'm super passionate, I use this analogy a lot. But if I'm super passionate about a you know a church softball team, and it doesn't fit into my mission, my vision, mm-hmm. my strategy, no one in my community wants to play softball, or nobody's good we're always terrible. <laughs> like I, I have to stop and I have to ask, are we built for this? Right. What are we built for? Maybe we're not built for, for a vibrant softball league yeah. in, in middle Tennessee or whatever. So you it's know? like where the pat where your passions and in some ways, like where reality align. So reality way to in say a that. biblical context, but also like in the context of like, does this actually work for where you are? Cause rural cities yeah. different. I mean, even Nashville and Lexington are super different. Um, that's right. So you just kind of have to, to process through that. Right. That's right. And, and I use, I love, I love a lot of diagrams. Venn diagrams are great. The three circles. And then what's that, what's that spot right in the middle of those three circles that it like touches all those things. Like you could, you could fill that in with your passion and you could fill that in with your, uh, unique, like a community that you're in, like some, some unique qualities about your church and like your vision and mission. Like where does the, all that stuff intersect? Like you were saying, that's a great way to think of it. Um, and I, I like to follow that kind of process up with how, how can we be most clear mm. with the problem that we're trying to solve as a church yeah. in our community, in our context, in this time of history. Um, I, I think when you get to that place, Graham, you're well on your way toward clarity that you probably don't have. Mm-hmm. And that's, what is that, two or three questions? So it, it doesn't always take a massive framework necessarily. I think we can distill it down to a few questions that will open up the conversation with some key people on your staff team to say like, hey, hey, Graham, what do you think we're built to do? Mm-hmm. When you think about us and when you, you know us and you know our mission statement and our values, what are we really good at? What are we built for? Mm-hmm. And then you can, you can, you know, influence a direction because you were asked a question. I think it's, it's a really powerful way to set up a communication strategy. Um, the next thing I, you know, like I'm a story brand uh, geek. Mm-hmm. I love story brand. If you've not heard of story brand, it's uh, Donald Miller wrote a book several years ago called building a story brand. And I lead organizations and ministries through uh, this conversation around a seven-part framework. Well, 
that's again, it's just asking the right questions in the right order. Mm. And always, always thinking about where are we trying to move people? So in, in how I would say that is as a communications leader and, you know, obviously I'm doing marketing and promotion and social media and website and all that stuff all has to connect. And you've got strategies to, to support all those things. But you'll notice that I'm not talking about, I'm not starting with, oh, pull a Facebook ad mm-hmm. or, oh, uh, you know, put this on Instagram. You know, this will be a great post. Those are all responses to the, the right questions. Yeah. Because if I know as a, if, I, if, if I've asked the right questions, then as a communicator, and by the way, every leader is a communicator. Mm-hmm. Everybody listening to your podcast right now is a, is a communicator because leadership is communication. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be real. Mm-hmm. So, as we ask the right questions that guides us to then say, okay, because we're built this way to solve this problem in our community, that, that then leads me to say, okay, these are the kind of Instagram posts. This is the stuff we need to put on Facebook. This is how our YouTube channel needs to, to look. This is what's on our website because we're guiding and moving people along a pathway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, uh, just beginning with, I guess the purpose in mind, like the, I guess starting with why to, to borrow a popular leadership totally. title. Yeah. You know? Very um, good. <laughs> but you know, starting, starting with the purpose in mind. And I even, I do love even just like the idea of not just focusing solely on like the outward presence or like the, or your web presence, online presence, whatever you want to call it, but mm-hmm. allowing, allowing that clarity of philosophy and purpose to drive all those different things. And again, like we want to make clear that like all those things align with what the Bible's talking about and how mm-hmm. biblically a church should align. But at the end of the day, we live in a world that is right now more than ever before existing online and oh uh, through social media, through YouTube, through all those different channels. And so it's just, it's just a really simple way to be able to have a, a, a sharp presence and, not for the sake of um, even your church's brand or your your personal brand, but for the gospel to be able to penetrate the lives and hearts of people. That's right. That's so true. And you're you're hitting it like in in a time like this that we're living in. Uh, I guess the best way I know how to, to to ask it is, why wouldn't we as churches want to be laser focused. Mm -hmm. We can't afford not to be when our people are fragmented and scattered and broken and they're, they're missing huge pieces of their life. And now, now even as people, not, not only externally, like we can't hang out like we used to, we can't go to events like we used to, whatever. Uh, The the other part of that is internally, spiritually we're fragmented because we know we're broken Mm -hmm. We know we're broken. And so why would we why would we send out information just to get somebody to sign up for something? Yeah. And hoping that why wouldn't we send only what we must with unbelievable clarity to help someone move forward in their spiritual journey, in their faith journey? That changes again, it goes back to the very beginning, that changes that responsibility we have as churches in the lives of those that call our church, their home church. Right. So this is one of the questions I love to ask. Um, 
the guests that come on here just about just in terms of leadership. So like thinking about your leadership experience, you know, we've talked a little bit about it already, but even trying, you know, getting started in a new church about back in California, not having, like, as you said, a lot of church uh, staff leadership uh, experience. And then of course, you know, your leaders are always learning. They're always growing. Um, but maybe just share, like, I guess that's, that could be a whole, uh, series of podcasts in and of itself, I'm sure for a lot of the guests <laughs> yeah. on here, but maybe just thinking about one of the ones that really stick out, like what's a, what's a big leadership lesson that you've learned over the years? Yeah, <laughs> that is such a great question, Graham. Oh my goodness. There are so many, so many, let me, let me just pick one. Um, I, I think the the way I would sum up the lesson is that as leaders, we should never sacrifice caring for people just to maintain a current speed. Mm. Uh, I know that sometimes, sometimes we've got to move fast and I know that other times we've got to move slow. I get, I get all that stuff, but as a leader, what happens is we leave wreckage behind us in our speed, in our haste. Uh, we miss we miss hearing in, incredible insight from really smart people, smarter than us as leaders, better at that than us as leaders. Um, the best leaders I know and all the leaders I want to be like are the best listeners that I know. Mm. At. And you can't listen fast. You just can't. Mm-hmm. You got to slow down. Uh, it's It's only when we when we slow down that we're able to see the details, mm. right? Like, and the, the, the analogy, or I can't ever remember if it's analogy or metaphor, you'd be the judge. I don't know either. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so well, here's, here's, here's what I use when, whenever I, whenever I use, you know, answer a question like this is like, I dare you to, to sit in the passenger seat and drive, have, have your wife drive down the, the road at, at the speed limit of 70 <laughs> and see what's flying by you with any kind of detail and clarity. Mm. It's impossible. You can't do it. Our eyes can't move fast enough. And and what's happening is when you try to see detail without slowing down, you just get blur. Mm -hmm. You can't. And, And that's a great reminder to me that it's only when the, the vehicle slows down, almost uncomfortably slow sometimes that I can look at and I can say, Oh my gosh, look at these, look at these wildflowers going, look at the beauty that's there on the side of the road. I would never see that if I'm just letting it fly by the window. Mm -hmm. Um, I need that. I need that reminder every day as a leader because I'm a, I would be considered a bit of a go getter and a fast mover. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the biggest leadership lesson for me is that so many so many times I missed the detail and I missed the person because I had to go fast Mm -hmm. and I had to get it done. Um, There's no decision that's worth running someone over to make. And so I wish uh, I'd learned that when I was 26, but here all these years later, uh, I'm finally starting to understand that slowing down doesn't mean losing. Mm -hmm. It means listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's applicable for all of us, just because like leadership, ministry, 
is all about people. And, you know, we sure. have such a high uh, standard for dealing with people as we look at the life of Christ and as we're called to make disciples and impact people with the gospel more than anything else. Like the mm. n- not treating people well is a, is a unneeded obstacle to the gospel going forward. <laughs> That's right. You know? It's unnecessary. That's right. Because I mean, you, it's not original with me. I've heard a, a bunch of places, but like the gospel is offensive. Nothing else should be that type of idea. Yes. That's one of those things that we can fully yeah. control as uh, being a, as being not needing to be offensive on our on our side of right. things. Right. Um, as we kind of close up, uh, what are some helpful books or resources that have shaped you, shaped your leadership that might be beneficial for for people listening to to get to get some uh, insight on? Yeah, I love, I mean, I mentioned this just a bit ago, but Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, I I recommend, and it doesn't benefit me at all, by the way, but I recommend anyone that feels like messaging is unclear, Mm -hmm. I recommend anyone read that, any business leader, any any business owner, uh, any ministry leader, pastor, uh, I I would think that Building a Story Brand for a pastor as a communicator, like on a Sunday morning, a teacher uh, would be one of the best books you'll read this year. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible. So it, it always makes the top of my list, um, but I'm a huge advocate sure. <laughs> for StoryBrand and, and their um, their framework. Andy Stanley's leadership podcast, I can't get enough of it. Mm. I just, I, I love him. I love his like tone, his uh, just the, the, the wisdom. Uh, just, I always glean something. I'm just like, Oh my goodness. It's so good. And it was all right there. Right. You know, I love his podcast, uh, a bit of an outlier for me. And actually outliers would be on my, by Malcolm Gladwell. It's a great book. Um, but a bit of an outlier, uh, for me is this is a book called onward and it's by the CEO of former CEO, I guess now of Starbucks, Howard Schultz mm. onward was my first leadership book. Uh, that was not a the Christian based leadership book. Mm. Uh, many years ago, uh, now I, I, gosh, I can't even remember how many years ago he wrote it, but it's a Starbucks story, but it's about leadership. It's a big, thick book, but I read it on a, a few overnight flights that I was on it when I was traveling, and I, I just gained so much, so much from it, and and it also ignited a passion for leadership in me. Mm. Uh, so it was, it was really useful. Uh, the Story Brand podcast, uh, great, like very, very similar to you, Graham. Great guests great uh information story uh great just building a story brand i mean it's it's a it's a huge tool outliers uh malcolm gladwell like i mentioned but let me say this and i I really mean this okay i know it's in some ways it may be like what you're uh you know i might be programmed to say as a christian but the bible Mm -hmm. I, i i the it's an endless well of pure leadership Mm. There, I mean, the stories of wins, losses, bad decisions, great leadership, bad leadership. And obviously, Jesus is the, I mean, ultimate leader. I, I guess at that point, you'd have to read Lead Like Jesus, <laughs> Ken Blanchard. <laughs> but I, I, I can't say it enough. It, it, you know, why would we not want to read as church leaders God's word through the eyes of leadership? And, and because we know it, it he, you know, God has addressed leadership in there. Right. Um, and obviously Jesus is the, the best leader to ever walk the planet. So I, I, uh, 
man, when I when I started going, wait a second, I, I can read God's word to to help me with leadership, not just like you know, sin and how I should love my wife and my kids or how, you know, loving one another and love my neighbor as myself. I can read, okay, what does that mean in leadership? Let me find examples of that. It's Mm -hmm. a huge benefit that we have at our fingertips, uh, you know, at any time. So that would be the kind of my short list. Yeah, that's good. And then, and then, uh, you know, probably many more and hopefully more to come. Yeah. So when you, if, if someone was interested in potentially looking into consulting or just anything that you might be able to, to help churches with in that arena, what's a good way for them to get in contact with you? I can include some details in the, in the notes in the show. Yeah, I appreciate that, Graham. Uh, you know, best way is just to send me an email. It's Aaron at Codamark, C-O-D-A-M-A-R-K.com. Uh, that's a great a great way to just get in touch with me if you've got questions or you feel like maybe you you're unclear about your messaging your branding uh, what you're trying to do seems just out of reach uh, that's the space i love to occupy and help really clarify uh, the next steps for for churches and ministries so yeah i'd love to connect with you on email that's awesome well aaron i appreciate you appreciate how you love and serve our church and love and serve god's kingdom it's a, a blessing to be able to to be able to call you friend and I appreciate you coming on here and uh, being able to share some wisdom with myself and our listeners. I I think it was really helpful, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Graham. Thanks for having me on, man. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Great Commission Leadership. This is the end of the first season of Great Commission Leadership. We will be back in a few weeks. Until then, make sure that you have hit subscribe and that you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at GCLpod. And on Facebook as well, Great Commission Leadership, so that you can keep up to date. And join us back here in a few weeks once we start Season 2.